Hey Bendigo, it's on like Donkey Kong. Saturday the 26th of March, the Rewind 80s Mixtape Tour comes to town with all the greatest 80s hits and memories. Please join us if you can, Bendigo, the Capitol Theatre, 50 View Street in Bendigo. We'll see you soon. If you need a ticket, get on the link on www.rewind80smixtape.com.au or you can check out our Facebook page, Rewind 80s Band. We'll see you soon. Giddy up. Woo! Song. Great opener. Banana Rama with Trick of the Night. What a fantastic, sexy song. Oh, just puts you in a really cool space. Yeah, beautifully written. And it's about prostituto. You see, I love anything about prostitutes. Love it. <laughs> I don't even fantastic. have to know what it's about. Mm, I guess it's the dark naturally... side that I love. I love the dark side. Yeah, and having sex for money, you know. That's right. I've never done yeah. it. <laughs> Come close, but I've uh, never done it. Oh, uh, well, we all get desperate and 20 bucks <laughs> is 20 <laughs> bucks, you know. That's yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, well, I'm Sammy Hard on. And I'm Jay Jovi, and this is the 80s montage. Woohoo, for another week. Tonight we're talking about lightning strikes twice and by that I mean musicians that have left one successful band, joined another project and had a huge success with that as well. It's so, so hard in the music industry to have any success at all and for a person to be able to do it twice or a group of people to be able to do that twice really is like lightning striking twice. So we're going to look at this. This is a really interesting subject, to be honest. Uh, And it really says a lot about, yeah, talent, especially sort of when when artists or artists 
go from one genre to another. You know, it's a real sort of departure from what made them famous in the first place and then to, you know, take their musicianship and their writing and their singing and whatever and having success again, it's just brilliant. I love it. Absolutely. So can we just um, – I just want to read out some fan mail we had last week. Because it's really cute and I think yeah. it should be at the top of the show. So uh, Peter Larson, he's written to us a couple of times. He's He says, uh, hi again from Sweden. I was a bit late on your last episode, the one about pop rock stars from New Zealand. Fucking hell, you saved my day. Noiseworks, John Stevens. So happy right now. And many thanks to the tip to listen to Gavin Wood's podcast with John. John, that is. J-O-N, he's spelt, yeah. He's a complete legend. Saw him in a duet with Delta from Australia Day 2022 on YouTube. He's still got it, to say the least. Seems to be a really nice down-to-earth guy. Looking forward to a Noisework special sometime in the future. Keep up the good work, guys. You really light up the days when the world is upside down, Peter. Good on you for writing back, you fucking legend yeah, over there. Yeah, absolutely. I reckon it's great. Reaching right across all the lands and waters and sending you much appreciation, Peter. Absolutely. And all the way from Sweden. Yeah, beautiful, mate. I'm glad glad you're enjoying it. Yeah. Good on you, mate. Unreal. Now, shall we dive in, Sammy? Yeah, yeah. So Bananarama, Trick of the Night. Bananarama. Now, lightning strikes twice. In this case, Bananarama were one of the biggest pop groups in the world from the UK. Mm -hmm. They were young punks and they really sort of were picked up, changed their musical style, became very poppy. And this actually caused Siobhan Fay, and to to be honest, she was always my favourite. I loved those girls. Siobhan was extra weird and they were quite weird. You know, yeah, they were true. really out there, you know. Siobhan was always the weirdest one. She'd always Striking. sort of – Yeah, yeah. She had a beautiful little body, a great voice. But I always thought she was perhaps the odd one out in, in that group. Now, the other two girls, Sarah and Karen – were friends since they were five years old and then they met Siobhan later. So she was sort of, you know, last one in, first one out basically because Bananarama is still operating as a duo. And in the same year that she would leave Bananarama, she would start doing a solo project which was called Shakespeare's Sister. was always intended to be a solo act. They got another soloist to do – because Siobhan's got like a beautiful – uh, deep voice. She's got a beautiful sort of lower register. And they had this other singer on uh, which was suggested to the project called Marcy Levi. And um, she had such a beautiful voice, like this really high sort of falsetto quirky voice. And it was a really great counter against Sh- Siobhan's lower stuff. The, the marriage between their voices was so beautiful that she actually came onto the project full-time. It became a duo. She changed her name to Marcella Detroit and Siobhan Fay in its current form that they became famous for, for had massive success. I think that first album was released in 1989 and it was called – I should know this. I'll think of it in a second. The, the name um, – the name Shakespeare's sister was taken from 
a, a Smith song. So it sort of had, you know, very dark, um, very dark sort of undertones. You remember, oh, Hormonally Yours was the big album that came out. Hormonally, um, Hormonally Yours. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Should we yeah. have a listen to one of their tracks, do you think? Yeah, let's do it. All right. That's your history, yeah? Yeah. Your your history. Yeah, great fucking song. But you can hear sort of Siobhan's like beautiful, beautiful deep voice in that. Now, your history uh, history is from the first studio album. You can really tell that this was meant to be a solo project because, I mean, on the cover it's Siobhan and Siobhan only and Marcella would only make it to the sort of cover art on the second album which was Hormonally Yours. Hormonally Yours, you would remember the big single, Stay, which came out, I think, in 92. That was massive as well. That was huge. Yeah. But I love them. And Siobhan, um, Siobhan was, I believe, married or in a relationship to Dave Stewart from Eurythmics at the time. Um, yeah. So she was, she was doing a lot of writing and conceptualisation with him. Um, and you can you can really sort of sense a bit of an uh, an Annie Lennox influence, you know. Um, yeah. So yeah, wonderful, wonderful influence there. And uh, she still sings with, um, you know, she went back. Siobhan went back with Banana Rama for a little while. They did a number of gigs. They probably got paid fucking heaps. I wish I had have seen them because the footage is incredible. But um, yeah, then Siobhan went back and. Um, Reform Shakespeare's sister and she's been doing it ever since. So good on her. I love her. I love you, Siobhan. Yeah, so this one was 1989 from Sacred yep. Heart Album. Yep, that's this is right. The, this was the opening single that everyone went, what the fuck yeah. is this? Yeah, you exactly. Know? And really Siobhan kooky. was very gothy and didn't look blonde anymore and we really didn't know what was going on, but we knew it was Mm. her. It took a while to look at her face and go, how do we know this girl? How do we know this girl? And then, of course, the TV networks would let you know that it was the same person. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It it was um, quite a departure from Bananarama and, I mean, she sort of – she wasn't – she wasn't really into where they were going as a pop act, you know. It wasn't wasn't edgy or quirky enough for her. She certainly sort of stretched her legs in this project. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, when you mm. do release a lot of Stock Aiken and Mortem and stuff, it can get oh. very tiring. Gotcha. Where you want to do something. If there's something a bit weird about you, you want to go out and do a heavy metal album or something. Yeah. Know? Yeah, so exactly. The next one mm. we've got is uh, – Oh God, we had so many people come out of this one, but we'll give you we're just gonna give you a clue with this track. And if you know this track, you're hardcore 80s. 
of my favourite tracks. Fuck yeah, I was going to say this makes me think of you so much. It's so good. Yeah. Like, and it wasn't really that big in Australia, but we heard it at the Blue Lights. Yeah. And we didn't yeah. know who it was. Like, that's Bobby Brown, you know. Like, he can that's fucking right. sing Absolutely. In this song. Yeah, oh, sorry, yeah. Um, and... and <laughs> It's, uh, yeah, he can sing and he's incredible. And they were put together in, I think, 78 or something. That's Bye, right. Bobby, Bobby, yeah, Bobby Brown put them together. We talk, of course, of New Edition. They were from mm. Boston. New Edition was, um, they got the name because it was it was actually a new edition of the Jacksons. You know, they, they were really sort of uh, influenced by the Jacksons and the Jackson 5 and, and so forth because they were kids as well, you know. Um, yeah. But more street sort of, you know, very, diff- different sound but that kind of influence, you know. Um, now, New Edition were very popular. That you know, they're a, they're essentially a boy band in the US. And uh, Bobby Brown went and had a very successful solo career. I think in '88 or '89 he left. Uh, the other other guys kept going. So um, Ricky Bell, Michael Bivens, and Ronnie DeVoe formed Bell Biv DeVoe. Bell Biv DeVoe were equally fuck well, they were huge as well in the 90s. So moving into the 90s, um, they had a real sort of uh, R&B hip-hop sound and and they were huge as well. They did really well as well. I love Bell Biv DeVoe. They were so cool at the time. Yeah, and we also had Ralph Trensent uh, come out of this and Johnny Gill come out of this. That's right. There were so many other R&B artists that came out of this genre and of new edition. But let's That's just right. play my Belby DeVoe. I used to dance to this. I'm sure it was 89 that mm. this was out. We used to hear all the the releases way before the fact. You know, yeah. like you wouldn't see it on sounds. You'd go to an especially Chasers at Fat, which was the night we worked at. And uh this was my favorite track. It was very sexy. Such a cool track. Yeah, very sexy. Love if, it. If you think new audition in this country, you would think Candy Girl. Yeah. Which came out around the same time as AEIOU. I remember that. AEIOU. And they were sort of up against each other a lot. But, you know, it was a Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis thing and – just incredible. So you would know with Belby DeVoe, this girl is poison. 
Like if you knew the commercial side of them. Yeah, yeah. But do me, baby, like fucking hell. You walked into a club to that. Yeah. You felt like a king, you know? Yeah, yeah. And especially when you were 17, 18, your hormones were just jumping like a disco, you know, to that Yeah, stuff. yeah. They were really sexy tracks. Like you sort of – it creeps up in you. But like I went to – remember I went to that R&B night um, at Track um, yeah. about a little over a year ago? <laughs> they were playing yeah. a lot of this kind of stuff when I went in there. And yeah. um, I, I was the whitest guy in there and it was like – it was a fucking awesome night. It was really cool. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You, like – Oh, I think there is rumours of Chasers having a 40th anniversary. And oh, I wow. fucking, whatever, it wasn't open for 40 years. It's only <laughs> yeah, been open yeah. for fucking, God, 32, you know. Like it was shut yeah. in Chapel Street for fucking years. I know because I worked on front of Kentucky Fried Chicken upstairs yeah. in the photography uh, area. Oh, yeah, of course you did, and yeah. I remember walking past Chasers for years going, what a waste, what a waste. But it's the, fucking terrible. You know, like there's nothing going on. They did try and do wedding receptions there and all that stuff but now they've come out and they're going, oh, it's a 40-year anniversary and I'm thinking, no, it's not really. It just says yeah. that on Google, you know. Yeah, yeah. I was looking right. into that and I thought because I went to the closing of Chasers and Chasers, like the hardcore where George owned it. You know, yeah, right. And yeah. and uh, it was shut down in '91 for about oh, eight or nine years, and Serious? we were devastated. Absolutely, like oh, it's no. only been open since 2015, uh, 2015 again. You know, so that'll be fun to go to. But I know that um, my friend um, Eddie Ronaldo still DJs there. Yeah. Yep. Awesome, and he was always DJing at Chasers, but yeah. So I think there is a rumor they're having a forty-year anniversary, and I guess they'll—they may not look at fat. They might do Hysteria, which was the Sunday night, and I think they're going to do Hard and Fast. Hard and Fast at Chasers was the eighties event of the fucking world. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, you had all your heavy metal. It was about based around people like the Cult, and all the rock acts would go and rock up to this this event. You know, wow, wow, it was incredible. But I'm not That's sure. Cool. But yeah, it'd be great if they did an R and B night because this is the shit we used to hear. Yeah, yeah. I was there just the other night. They have, um, they do a lot of sort of gay events. They they have um, like a lot of the RuPaul's Drag Race chicks play there, and we went to see a few of them the other night. They absolutely pack it out. It was it was packed full the other night, and it was actually sort of strange to be in a crowd with that many people. Um, and, and sort of, you know, every, it seemed like everybody was out of practice. Like people were fighting and stuff. Yeah, they are out really, of practice. Yeah, yeah. It, it was weird. Like people were not used to being in co- close quarters like that. So everybody was like getting really kind of on edge and shit. I turned around a few times and I'm like, guys, just fucking settle down. Like for God's sake, it was ridiculous. Well, the psychology behind it is they've been on their phones for fucking two years and how do you talk to a human being? Exactly. You know? Yeah. yeah, How do you, oh, hang on, it could be a fucking someone I met on Tinder five minutes ago. You don't, you know, that it's it's so blurred at the moment with how people interact because we have been on our own. 
isolated. Mm. And on top of that, we've got this phone pandemic going on as well as COVID, you know, where yeah. the phone, you're talented if you're on fucking Titster or fucking what's it called, that fucking where they dance like dickheads? TikTok. Oh, TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> no one can dance on fucking TikTok. You yeah. Know? yeah. I've been watching that fucking math show. You know? Oh, God, don't, don't. It is so It'll, fucking shit. Yeah. That I just is. can't believe it. Sammy, I can't do it. I, I really think there's like an IQ ceiling for that clo- uh, that show. And if anybody sort of rocks up and they're too smart, they're like, oh, no, sorry, Has you to can't be. come on Has here. Has to be. Yeah. Because yeah. they can't even speak English. No, they're know? fucking spastics. And yeah, they're idiots. The, the women are like from, I don't know, they're just really weird chicks. Yeah. And yeah. just project all this stuff onto each other like, oh, you're a bitch. And it's like, yeah, but you're kind of the same, you know? Yeah, they're dumb. Have a they're back dumb up as, if you're going to call someone that. Dumb people picking fights with each other and screaming at yeah. each other. You know, smashing glasses and shit, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't mind this, the glass off. smasher though. I reckon the glass smasher's been out to South Morang and watched us. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, God. Because she's very South Morang. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, yeah, mm. glass smasher was pretty funny. But Olivia, Jesus. there's a chick on a li- called Olivia that I just want to fucking kill. You know? Mm. She's such yeah. a little fucking cunt. It's like, really? You you know? I don't know. Who's she the won't- one that's... Who's the one that's the that she's doing a training teacher or something? It's like God's sake! If you ever become a fucking teacher, I'll tell you. Oh, what. that's Olivia. That's Olivia. Yeah. I think. Nah, I, don't, I haven't geezo. watched much of it, but yeah. if I turn it on, I can't turn it off. But I'm not no, watching it, it again. It gets like, you sucked in. No, don't do it. It'll it'll. But I do I love the doggy it, show a, a series. You know yeah, the dogs yeah. where they save the dogs. I love that. Yeah. Can't yeah. get enough oh, of good. that. Oh, nice one. All right. Where you get the Lovely. where you get new puppy. Yeah. Let's move on to our next artist. Yeah, right. Here we go. Well, we're we gonna play this track because I think actually he wrote it. There we go. We know what that one well and truly, Depeche Mode. Now we're talking about Depeche Mode founding member Vince Clark. Vince formed Depeche back in the day, I think in 77 with the other blokes. Uh, They sort of 
you know, got their got their act together and, you know, it would be till years later that the, you know, core group would, would actually form. Um, very talented musicians. Vince himself, an amazing synth artist. But sort of right after the release of this pretty much um, and right as they were getting sort of noticed in the industry, Vince left. He's actually the one that started the band, you know, and he left. The other guys kept going with Depeche Mode. They really really have gone from strength to strength. Uh, they they haven't stopped since the 80s. And I, one of my favourite fucking 80s bands, if not favourite bands. Vince would leave, I think, initially and join up with Alison Moyet to form Yazoo, uh, which is Yaz in most of the uh, – I think in North America it's called Yaz. Um, you, you, great act as well, you know, great act as well. We've talked about um, Yazoo – as well, and Alison Moyet and her incredible voice. Yeah, should we play and a track from them? Yes, please. Let's go. Of a short I love her there. voice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, what's her name? Fucking Alison Moyet. Moyet. Yeah, she. I yeah. went uh, record shopping on the weekend, and there were fucking heaps of Alison Moyet albums. She's got so many albums. Yeah, she has. And she has. Uh, I didn't buy any of them though. She just look. I do. I do love her voice. Um, there's something ab- something about her solo stuff that drags me down a little bit. You know, but look, I, I've got to be in the mood. Um, I don't know if I'd buy a record, you know, but look, I do I do really appreciate her voice. But look, they did some great stuff together, Vince and Alison Moye with, with Yazoo. Now, sort of as that was kicking off as well, as that was really lifting, Yazoo, Vince would jump ship again. I think he did some project called The Assembly. Um, did they do all right? That was with uh, Fergal Sharkey, yeah? No. No? Am I getting mixed up? No, they but didn't look, do all right. <laughs> That's what I mean. Yeah, right, okay. Yeah, so the yeah. assembly and then he would leave that and in 85 he would form Erasure. Now he stuck with Erasure for, for years. They were, they were sort of very camp, uh, Chains of Love, uh, what else? Oh, they did that cover of Take a Chance on Me as well, which was huge. Sometimes. Yeah, oh, sometimes. Great, great songs. Yeah, yeah, really big sort of uh, disco duo. Yeah, a lot of fun. Very camp, as I said. Vince Clark mm. is worth $30 million. Christ. Yeah. Just from royalties, yeah? Just from who he is, like the bands yeah. he's been in, from royalties, anything, performing live. I mean, this was a time where everyone was performing live and as a keyboard player yeah. it would have been a fucking really interesting time, you know? Oh yeah! Oh god, yeah. If you were like a synth pioneer, like like Vince was 
it would have been extremely exciting because, like, nobody really knew what the synth could do, you know. And these guys, like Vince, that were really exploring the genre were um, groundbreaking, you know. Would have been very exciting to see him back in the day. Yeah. Absolutely. No, amazing. So he's sort of had three things that have happened, you know. Pretty Lightning much. strikes three. Three times. Yeah. Hey. Which is good. Now the next one is fucking hilarious and you better get ready, kids in the car. You better get ready. But first we're going to play <laughs> the 80s band and, oh, God, here we go. My heart's at my feet, my head's in my hands. Saying that for me, won't you find my mind? She said she'd call me. She called me yesterday, but still I'm waiting here on the line. She's some kind of girl, some kind of girl. Yeah, she's some kind of girl. She's one of a kind. She's some kind of girl, some kind of girl. Yeah, she's some kind of girl. She's one of a kind. Stop all the sadness. I breathe in happiness. Her looks and kiss are so sublime. The Cockroaches. Mm, that's right. Recognise any of those voices? Very jingly, isn't it? Very jingly, very catchy. And they weren't cockroaches. They died very quickly. Yes, that's right. They did yeah. have success, though. They did have success. That, that track's called Some Kind of Girl. But I remember them coming out going, oh, they're a bit, there was a band called, can't even pronounce their name, Depetic Hypnotics. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hep, hypnotic. So kind of feeling, moving with, yeah, you yeah. know, neighbours used yeah. to all the fucking time. The yeah, that's yeah, why that they're being acts. Yeah. Um, yeah, so <laughs> uh, the cockroaches were a little bit like that reminds me of My Girl by the Hoodoo Gurus. My yeah. girl don't love me. Like they were trying to do 50s but. Like beachy 50s, 60s yeah. sound sort of, yeah. wasn't real good. Done to death. That kind of thing was really big in Sydney. Yeah, um, that's right. I wasn't Bondi a huge fan shit. of that shit. Yeah, no. Yeah. I'd but rather anyway, stick pins in my vagina than listen to that that's shit. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Now, good old uh, Paul, John and Anthony were joined by a bloke called Jeff Fat. Wake up, Jeff. Yes. Wake up, Jeff. That's right. That's Jeff right. Fat from the Wiggles. These guys would eventually become the Wiggles. Isn't that amazing? And yes. subsequently become Australia's most successful musical act. Do you yeah. know that? Richest fucking Australian act. Not Kylie Minogue, not ACDC. These guys. Unbelievable. Hot potato, yeah. hot potato. Yeah, well, do you want to hear some Wiggles, kids? Woohoo! No. Hot potato, no. hot potato, Give me that, give me that, give me that food. 
banana mash banana mash banana mash banana mash banana mash banana 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 Oh, the reason why I didn't have kids. Just yeah. there. <laughs> so you wouldn't have to listen to this shit. Oh, fuck no. That would have killed me. If my <laughs> kid wanted to listen to this all day, I would fucking not know what to do. Part but, of you would shrivel up and die, wouldn't it? Well, I'd be putting borderline by Madonna on pretty quickly. <laughs> you know, but you can see the appeal. Yeah. But I remember... Uh, you know, it's a great career move. We should actually do a whole episode about this and find out more about it because they've gone on to just sell 70,000 copies of albums or whatever, you know, like I think yeah. the Cockroaches did 70,000, sorry. So they did fuck all and then the yeah. Wiggles just exploded. I want to know whose idea it was. I want to know how this happened where someone went, we should just – Get a couple of singlets, write some shit songs about Runny Poo or whatever and put it out. Yeah, guys, instead of this rock and roll shit, let's sing kid songs about fruit salad. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And but but then it took some other cunt in the band to go, yeah, fucking great idea. You know what I mean? Oh, fucking hell. But well, I, mean, I don't know. Was it the manager? Him. Was it the band? Was it some dickhead at the bar? Who fucking knows? And I know, know. Let's wear different colour skivvies and fucking point our fingers, you know. I think it could be an episode that could be an episode, you know. Yeah. Like it's really interesting because at the time I remember seeing the Wiggles – I don't know how old I was, but I do remember recognising these guys from a band and I couldn't put two and two together. But it was Jeff, the Asian one, where you went, yeah. that fucking guy was in another band called – and they really tried to hide it for a long time. Yeah, It wasn't right. like they brought it to light and went, we used to be the cockroaches, now we're the wiggles. They really tried to kind of hide it yeah. because yeah. what if the wiggles could – could sort of have more life, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It was weird. Yeah. They um they had a strange effect on kids, like sort of kids from uh, you know, kids on the spectrum really, really um bonded with this band. You know, they had a very inclusive sort of energy about them and kids sort of with autism and so forth responded to Wiggles' music in a way that they, you know, were not interested in anything else. Um, I don't know. It, it, I don't know. It made is them that feel safe. Yeah, it is. Is that a it fact? It really is. Yeah, mate. Really? Yeah. Hey, mate, I work at a school. Yeah, I know, but like years ago... I, I thought every kid loved the Wiggles. Oh, no, I'm not talking – hey? I thought every kid loved the Wiggles. Every kid loved the Wiggles but like for kids with sort of autism and so forth, they would really connect with the Wiggles and, and not other stuff, you know. So – and similar with what are the – what are the British – Big puppets that they film on the hill in the countryside, and they've got a triangle on their head. Teletubbies, Teletubbies as well. That has a similar effect on kids. Yeah, that's who uh, the Teletubbies. Mickey's singing Tinky Winky. What's Kinky Winky? Does that mean he's on the spectrum? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) (laughs) No, I've never heard that. That's amazing. I actually thought every kid liked the Wiggles because it was just 
fucking spaghetti and hot potatoes, you know. Now um, look, something something made something that made me actually really sad. They did um, the Wiggles. The Wiggles are sort of very popular on Triple J, and they went on like a version and did um, uh, a cover of Tame Impala's Elephant. That song, that cover, went to number one on the Triple J Hottest 100 last year. Yeah, but I don't mind it. I hate it. I thought it was really good what they did with it. That to me says everything about the state of the fucking Australian music industry. Oh, the fact that they charted at Triple J or the fact they released a song like that? The fact that that was number one. The fact that the cover, a cover... That a kids band did went number one in Australia. It's just like the whole thing's a fucking joke. I don't know. I, I, it, it, yeah, it really kind of made me cringe. It's just like why can't it be something new? Why can't it be something fucking cool? Why does Triple J constantly fucking undercut our industry of, of musicians? Uh, you know, everyone thinks Triple J is really supportive of our industry. They have slowly worn it away. They've slowly worn away at at sort of Aussie bands and now it's just, I don't know, show me the Aussie rock bands. You know, show me the Aussie bands. I want to sort of invest in an an, an awesome Australian band. You know, something I can really sink my teeth in where it's like the singer, singer looks like he doesn't still drink breast milk for fuck's sake. You know? Yeah. I've never really taken the Triple J Top 100 that seriously, to be honest with you. I It was a it huge doesn't part of my life me. growing up because really? I, I guess I was, yeah, because I lived in the country and Triple J was like really the, the first big na- national rock station where it actually made you feel connected to the rest of Australia. Like you weren't. For a mo- and especially with the, the the hottest 100 countdown, for one day of the year, it was like you were connected to the rest of Australia. And then when they started, then when um, they started doing it in conjunction with um, Australia Day, it just became fucking huge. You know, they don't do it on Australia Day anymore in protest, but um, yeah, it, it always did really mean a lot to me. Um, and, yeah. and it sort of that sort of broke my heart. That this it broke my heart when um, you know a cover by the Wiggles went to number one. I was just like, nah. But didn't fuck fucking this. Baby Shark go to number one in one year or something? Oh, I don't think so. No. Fucking, I've never liked the way they've judged songs at all. The yeah. only thing I do say is that I didn't know much about the guys that wrote Elephant, but. Yep. I actually found it quite amusing because the Wiggles looked like they got trendy and had a guitar in the video and all that stuff. Yeah. And yeah. it's a kind of – I mean, they have brought probably a bigger crowd to Tame Impala. Is it Tame Impala? Yeah. Impala, yeah. yeah. Or whatever. And I just, I've just never really – I think they're more trendy than what you think they are, Triple J. You know what I mean? What, the Wiggles are more trendy than you think they are? No, no, no. Triple J aren't as alternative as they used to be like 20 years oh, ago. Oh, God, no. No, you know no, what I mean? no. Nah, they are as poppy as all fuck. Yeah, They're it's actually, almost like marketing, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, the, mate, they, they go for marketability. They're going for oh youth marketability, you know, and it drives me fucking crazy. It's like, 
all it is is really independent pop that within the space of a year becomes mainstream pop. It drives me yeah. nuts. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I, I, I really don't – I listen to Triple J because um, – I don't know. Now and then you will get some awesome stuff, but for for the most part, and especially the triple J, the the, the hottest one hundred countdown. Nah, I, I just want to like top myself. I don't know. Look, and I'm too old now. I'm not their target market anymore. Yeah, and they 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 right. really make that they really make that loud and clear. You know, but yeah. I was I was there on day one for fucking triple J, and I've been there like. All the way through, and I know I've sort of grown old and grown out of their market, but they will be the first one to say that. Triple J will be the first one to say, like, oh, well, you're not our market anymore. And it's like, stop talking about fucking marketing. Start talking about fucking music. You know? I don't know. It just drives me out the wall. Yeah, no, everything's marketing, babe. Everything. Yeah. Well, fuck it. Unfortunately, it's meant to be about musical. You know, music. Yeah, but nothing's about off. music. What's about music? Name one thing that's about music. It's well, fucking nothing hope. about music. I don't know. Tri- Triple J used to have Triple J used to have some integrity. Oh. They used to have some integrity. They really did. I think because they had more of a market. You know what I mean? I know. Yeah. Like now they're competing with podcasts. They're competing with. Oh yeah. The latest shit that's coming out, and and really, the the Wiggles people listen to the Wiggles, so that's probably why they're fucking charted. Because I don't know these kids twenty years ago were probably born. The thing though, it's to the Wiggles. <laughs> Triple J, it's the ABC. Go underground. It doesn't have to be pop. It doesn't Can't have to be it. popular. It was Can't. always meant to be alternative. Go yeah, underground. You know what I mean? When they Go had, back to your roots. When they had um, funding, that would have been a lot easier. But now yeah. it's very tricky. You know, yeah. you may as well throw the fucking station down the, the toilet. I don't know. Once again, all you know, more about money and marketing than it is about music, and that's what fucking shits me. I, I want to, I want to turn the radio on and and hear awesome music. And well, I, I, go I really to country think that's radio. Why. Country radio is the shit, right? Yeah? Because okay. when we did the country radio in Gippsland, Gippsland mm. FM, the fucking yeah. music I heard on that, I've never heard in my life anywhere, right? Yeah. And yeah. that's when I went, okay. There's a secret here because they yeah. don't they get funded by the people, yeah? So yeah. there's no government funding, there's nothing like that. But they've also got um, different shows and genres that aren't just to go with one sort of sort of style and one yeah. age group. So yeah. I was really impressed with country radio. I think they're the way to go. Oh, awesome. Because yeah. They get stuff from overseas. Like they're now they're getting podcasts from overseas. They put it on their little country radio station and you're yeah. hearing the greatest homosexual hits of the world, you know. Like it's very <laughs> different to what I think Triple J is capable of doing. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Mm, fair it enough. has really changed, I reckon. This next one though is is really, really good. We have to play. This one's interesting. Love it. Yeah, this one. All right, let's play this track. Yeah. 
very fucking exciting. I'm not sure if you guys uh, recognize that track at all or any of the sort of music uh, musicians behind it. But we're talking about the transition. Well, that became Guns N' Roses. So originally Guns N' Roses was like the the formation of two bands. So it was – what's the name of that track, Sammy? So Hollywood Rose was the name of the band. Yeah. Hollywood Rose. Yeah. And the track was called Anything Goes. All right, nice. Um, so you, you would have recognised Axl Rose's voice in that one. Hollywood Rose had um, – um, Axel Rose and Izzy Stradlin. They're in Hollywood Rose together. They lived with um, LA Guns, Tracy Guns, where it got the name LA Guns from. Um, they so the two bands sort of merged, and the original lineup of Guns N' Roses was actually formed in '85 um, with Axel singing, um, Izzy on rhythm guitar and then um, Tracy Guns on lead guitar. So Slash wasn't the original guitarist of, of Guns N' Roses. Um, drummer Rob Gardner and the bassist was Ollie Beich. And I think um, Ollie did a couple of gigs or a couple of rehearsals actually and they fucked him off and got Duff McKagan. Uh, and... And then when Tracy Guns would leave, Slash would jump in. Um, and then the bloody um, uh, LA Guns drummer would go as well and they got Steve Adler. So that was that original sort of Guns N' Roses lineup, and they would do their first, uh, first ever show, I believe it was at the Troubadour in 85. We were there, we were in um, LA about five years ago, Mick. About five years ago, guns and, uh, and like I remember sort of on the plane over, everyone was buzzing because there was a rumour that Guns N' Roses were reforming and I was like, nah, fuck off, nah, it's never going to happen kind of thing. By the time we landed, word had got out in the street and like all of LA was buzzing. It was on the radio. It was so fucking exciting um, they were selling tickets from the original venues that they used to sell them back in the day and there were like lines down the street and round the corner and they we couldn't get in for the life of us. Um, but, mm. yeah, they played at the Troubadour. They played at the Troubadour that night where they originally did their, did their first gig back in 85. How fucking awesome is that? Fantastic. And they yeah, were, well this- you know, they were poor asses, mate. They were like... They were like pieces of shit, you know, like they, they were just, they were living rough, sleeping on couches, sharing everything, just crashing where they could, you know. Um, often just like uh, picking up chicks so they had somewhere to sleep. Um, and and a really sort of really grungy, edgy lifestyle. They really lived it, those guys. The Sunset Strip. Mm-hmm. That was it. You know, yeah, that's what they did. Did you like yep. the Sunset Strip when you went? I did. You know, the Troubadour, the Roxy. Um, what's the other big one? Um, Rainbow. Yeah, there's one more as well. Whiskey Go Go. Um, all of those. You know, fucking great. And they're just, I don't know. I hope they never go because they're, it's, it's like, they're like the really important jazz bars in New York that have just been there for generations. 
those bars on Sunset Strip are really, really important to the scene. They've got to stay rock. They can't be cleaned up. They've got to yeah. stay crappy and trashy. You've got to be able to go there, get drunk. They pour you a fucking margarita. Yeah. They'll make you a margarita. It will literally be 90% tequila. And I was just, just like about to say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I couldn't get used to the drinks. Oh, my God. They were God. like triple, triple JD and Cokes and I was just like, fuck, why am I so pissed after two, yeah. you know? Yeah. Even though they yeah. were $10, which when I went was a lot of money, or 10 yeah. American, yeah. I, I'm assuming. And But you were smashed after two, you know? Oh, God, yeah, yeah. And look, Americans aren't generally as a culture known to be huge, huge drinkers. I mean, sort of Australians, Brits have have a big sort of reputation of of being big drinkers. Um, If you're hitting the spirits in the US, it's like, whoa, you know, like you're you're up for a big night. But, yeah, those venues, mate, they they really give it a nudge. And it's nice to see – it them try to sort of capture a little bit of that in like Rock of Ages. Rock of Ages is very, very glossy, but it's nice to kind of look at that film and kind of imagine what it might have been like back in the 80s. But, um, yeah, you've got to go there. You've got to go to those clubs on Sunsets, yeah. Sunset Strip and, and um, experience them for yourself. Absolutely. And the Rock of Ages also reminds us of our first episode or second episode where we talked about the um – what was it? The Secret Seven, or yeah, where they something went like to that. Court. Controversy. It was called the controversy episode. Controversy, and just about how you know what was the name that there are all these took band artists. I can't, I can't remember right now. The the um something like the Sinful Seven or something like that. I can't fucking. Yeah, remember, they went to court and stuff over. Yeah, it was yeah. our second episode. It's um called Controversy, but but um yeah, these guys really. I remember being terrified of them, Guns N' Roses, when they first came out. And um, as I've said before, bands that I was – or acts that I was terrified of loved them, like completely obsessed by them. I couldn't stop thinking of, about them. Loved Guns N' Roses. Well, let's have a listen to some Guns N' Roses now. This is – I love this track.
November Rain by Guns N' Roses. Yeah, what an awesome song. This came out actually in the 90s, but um, a lot of the material that was on Use Your Illusion, because this is Use Your Illusion, of course, which was like a two-part album, um, released in September 91. A lot of that material was written sort of in the, in the late 80s. Uh, they, of course, the, the first album, Appetite for Destruction. The second album was uh, Lies, which was largely sort of like live, uh, live tracks that they had done live. This was then the next big thing. So it was like um, this really to me is like their second album. You know, like Lies to me is sort of offcuts, although fucking awesome album. Um, and Did they Usual put Illusion. Axel up in the mix? Oh, in in what? In the second live album. Did they put him up in the mix? Because he wasn't up in the mix in Hollywood Rose. Could hardly fucking hear him. No, true. No, true. Oh, no, he would have been in – he was very much in control um, by Usual Illusion stage. He was sort of – Axel was – yeah, Axel's sort of ego really exploded as well in the 90s and – you know, it was his call to really change the band a lot. He was bringing keys into it, himself being a, a sort of pianist, and yeah. um, was bringing keys into it. Dizzy Reed joined the band in 1990. Um, they had booted um, Steve Adler out and got Matt Sorum from um, The Cult, of course, yeah. yeah. Um, Matt would stay with them for years, um, for most of the 90s, I believe. Um, awesome drummer as well. But, um, yeah, Izzy went sober while the rest of the band uh, was still, you know, addicted to everything. And it was during this tour that I think Izzy Izzy left the band. Now, it was, you know, really it was Izzy and Axel that started the band. Um, and Izzy, Izzy sort of pulled them together. So Izzy leaving Guns N' Roses was monumental. Um I forget the fuck. I always forget the name of the dude that replaced Izzy on on rhythm, but um, yeah, it sort of wasn't the same after that. Uh, they had a you know they 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 were incredible for a really short time, and then I don't know all the scandals and all the you know the big riot that they had and people getting trampled and fucking all of that shit became bigger than the music, um, and. And music was changing as well in the early 90s. Like Guns N' Roses were like a big they – were, they were rock stars with a capital R and that kind of thing was was dying out because grunge was coming in which was really sort of breaking down a lot of that shit. Um, so, yeah, they, they – um, you know, by the, by the time sort of everything started going pear-shaped – and and um, a lot of the boys actually left the band, leaving Axel to sort of be the final one. Um, yeah, things things had sort of got really really weird at the end. And then um, they, I think they did the the spaghetti incident, which really was um, um, not a not a huge event. I think I think they only played on one of the tracks. Like all of the boys only played on one of the tracks before everybody started leaving. Um, and then Axel was getting session musicians to come in and fi- finish the album, and it wouldn't be until years later that Axel would release um, uh, Chinese Democracy, which would be the next album after that. But 
Yeah, fucking hell. November Rain is known as one of the most amazing ballads ever to be released. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know. So Mm. this is where I started noticing them, I'll have to be honest with you. Yeah. My dad was obsessed in this video. It had, was it Stephanie Seymour played the love interest? Yeah. So she yep. was in it. I knew her through just the supermodels that were out in the t- at the time and I've got mm-hmm. her on my wall as well. I know oh, I wow. don't. I always think it's Stephanie Seymour but it's not. Um, it's a Herb Ritz shot though of the oh, five yeah, yeah, girls yeah, yeah. crouching. No, that it. is Stephan- Stephanie Seymour. That is Stephanie oh, Seymour Oh, yeah, it shot. is too. Yeah yeah, 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 She had orange hair though, didn't she, in November Rain? A little bit orangey. She Maybe might have, a, yeah. Put a bit I of can't her. remember. Um, yeah, so I remember my dad loving this and seeing Slash doing the solo on the mountain and it was all so 80s really, you know, yeah. it was still hanging in there. And mm. uh, then they released other stuff and I think it was, this was the only track that I really kind of liked, you know, for yeah. a long time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, great track. You always remember her like walking down the aisle because they get married in the clip and then she dies, yeah, remember? And that's that's like right. Horrible. Half. Horrible story. Yeah. yeah like, it fucking is, really. horrible. Yeah. Like it yeah. used to mortify him as, as a kid. It would be like, oh, my God, imagine if you married someone and then that was the same they day died. they died or, the, you know, yeah. like fuck me. Yeah, you know. but you can't sort of get a gauge on what's actually happening. Like all of a sudden she's yeah. dead and they're at the funeral, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah that's right. It was, it was tricky. It was like, mm. hang on, has he been married to her or is it uh, something that, you know, it, it sort of looked like it could have been an illusion that they got married and she was dead. I don't know, but it was really a very fucking clever video and yeah. a beautiful. Yeah. Who produced it? Do you know at all? Oh, produced. The it was a keyboard. Beautiful. Incredible. Oh yeah, the the actual track. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure who actually produced it. it was a a guy called uh, Andy Morahan that that directed the music video. I don't know who who produced the track though. Um, a bit. Yeah. yeah. Couldn't 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 tell you. But um, um, yeah, in the in the clip. They they sort of set up this weird sort of love triangle with Slash as well. Like he yeah, was right. he was like the the he you know I don't know if he was in love with her or in love with Axel or what, but he sort of goes outside and rips out this you know that amazing fucking solo in the first half, and then he's got the sort of dark solo in the second half, which is fucking incredible. Um, Ma- yeah, Mike Clink was the producer. Ah yeah, Mike he's in the Clink, Clink now. And, yeah, uh, 8 minutes 57 was the album version. So that's a fucking long song, man. Mm, fuck yeah. You know, yeah. they're really pushing the envelope there. But mm. I just remember it being one of the songs that really made me – oh, Jesus, what's happening? I don't know. The marching band's coming through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, very cute. So uh, we also be going to talk about – we'll just talk about some others that w- were – Success stories, lightning. So you had Metallica and Megadeth. Yes, Metallica and Me- Megadeth. Of course, um, uh, you know, out of Metallica grew the amazing Me- Megadeth. Megadeth. I was always into more, a lot more into Metallica as a kid. Yeah. Yep. Um, I didn't. I didn't sort of follow Megadeth and and that sort of 
path. A lot of my friends who are more into more hardcore stuff were into mm-hmm. Megadeth. But it was it was um, Dave Mustaine. Dave Mustaine is the one who came over from um, yeah. uh, Metallica and started Megadeth, yeah. and th- they were huge. So the big, um, the big, like the big four thrash metal bands were Metallica, Anthrax, Slayer, and probably, probably these, guys, you know, probably Megadeth as well. Yeah. Um, and out of those, I'd have to say I was. Um, only into Metallica. I didn't get into sort of thrash metal too much. I love pop, you know, like kind of um, Metallica was as heavy as I went at the time. But look, all of my mates were into it. So, mm. I, I, yeah, yeah. So um, I didn't make the connection between Megadeth and Metallica until years afterwards. But yeah, yeah two, two great bands as well with like very dedicated following. Yeah. yeah, and I I wanted to mention Deep Purple and White Snake. Yes, of course. Because yeah, I was trying to bang someone that loved Deep Purple, and, oh, and you he were. taught me all about White Snake. If you know what I mean. Yes, showed you his White Snake. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It we've was um, we've touched <laughs> we've touched on uh, Split Ends and Crowded House at length. Yeah, before we did. Yeah, well. we did. We've done a couple of yeah. In last yeah. episode, we had Split Ends, and I thought. Maybe we've gone a bit too far with that. But, yeah, definitely Crowded House yeah. Split Ends. Yeah. Um, one of my favourites of these is, of course, Joy Division and New Order. Um, yes. Joy Division always had a pact that if one of them died. Really? Um, that, yeah. Yeah, they had a pact that if one of them died, they would they would rest the project. And so that's what they did. They, wow. Um, yeah, they, they moved on and reformed uh, under a different name when Ian Curtis died. And um, New Order. New Order is like one of my favourite bands. So that's definitely Lightning Striking Twice. And there was one more. Now, Mike and the Mechanics. I've been playing the shit out of Mike and Mechanics ever since I watched the Diana movie and they play All I Need is a Miracle. Um, And... um, Mike and the Mechanics is actually made up from of Mike Rutherford from Genesis. That's who the Mike yes, is. I never realised right. that. I just thought yeah. Mike and the Mechanics was like a ma- oh, makeup name. Yeah, right. I didn't. I didn't ever make that connection. But it's also. Um, I was going to say Paul Carrick was the um, vocalist on a lot of their songs, and he was from Roxy Music as well before that. But the actual vocalist on um, All I Need Is a Miracle is Paul Young. Paul Young. Oh, not Paul Young, Paul Young. A- another guy called Paul Wow. Young. Oh, yeah. great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. uh, the one good thing about Gavin Wood on Countdown is he would announce that these bands had come from other bands. Like, oh, you know, yeah. he would actually tell you when you were a kid, you know, this is Mike and the Mechanics, he was from Genesis with da-da-da-da and, and you'd kind of learn if you really listened, you'd hear a lot about that. He yeah. was always full of that information, you know, because I'm sure they would get the, you know, whatever the stuff that the record companies would send them and then they'd have the bio and what they have done. Yeah. But I remember Gavin being really good at announcing that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Nice one, baby. Well, yeah, very interesting it. to talk about all this stuff. It kind of it's good to good to think that you you know you can be successful once, and there's sort of life afterwards, <laughs> and and success afterwards. You know, yeah. very very affirming. I love that. Great story. Well, in these days where we had an industry, absolutely. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. nowadays, never. You're lucky yeah. to get there once, you know, because exactly. you need your own money, you need your own fucking this, you need your own that. And record companies aren't taking the chances or risking anything no, anymore. that's right. And managers They're... don't want to manage bands. What are they going to do? Eat yeah. fish and chips for the rest of their life, you know? Hey, sounds good. Yeah, oh, yeah, it'd be nice, nice and fat by the fourth <laughs> album. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, but anyway. Uh, and there are well, heaps of other artists, so write in if you know any more or if, we've, if there's something we've missed. But we haven't got them all because it could go forever, you know. Oh, you could go forever. There's like um, Johnny Rotten with, um, what was that, Public Image Limited or whatever it was. Remember he did that? Yeah, Pudge, you know? Yeah, that was right, yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was oh, only look, sort of one of single, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was right, still very right, successful. Right. It was still very yeah. successful. Yeah, oh, God, gotcha. yeah. Yeah, new sort of genre for him. And it's especially cool when, as I said before, they sort of slightly put a spin on what genre they're doing and they sort of have success in a secondary genre as well. That That's pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah, and you've also got to remember there was Duran Duran, the Power Station, mm-hmm. and then fucking Arcadia. Like that's uh-huh. the biggest fucking sex triangle you've ever seen. Yes, and, that's right. you know, if – there were so many, but mm. to mention them, mention you don't realize how many there are. But then, yeah. there's not that many. It's really weird. Yeah, yeah. It's a sort of it's a special few. Like you can see the ones that we've all mentioned, apart from the Wiggles. Nay, look out! Um, you can see the <laughs> the ones that we've all mentioned. They're, they're, it's they're, they're a special group, like extremely talented musos. You know, yeah, yeah, awesome, nice yeah. one, guys. Good hustle. Say good day to our Patreons and our subscribers all around the world. Thank you very much, guys. Loving the support from you all. Please yeah. like, share, rate, and review. Give us five stars. Write us a comment in the comment section and become a subscriber on over 10 different platforms out there. Pick your favorite. Absolutely. Our biggest one is Apple iTunes, though. Yep. And if you want to write us, uh, look, it takes five minutes out of your fucking day, guys. Yeah. Just write a iTunes report, you know, about what you like. And I love the letters that we get through the 80smontage.com. That's awesome. Because it really means a lot to us if we can give you just something else to think about than the shit world we live in, really. Yeah, exactly. So, look, by the time this episode has come out, we would have completed our South Morang show at the Commercial Hotel. It was a massive success. And uh, we have Bendigo, I believe, to look forward to, Sammy. That'll be this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Very exciting. Incredible. See you there, Bendigo. Can't wait. Capital Theatre in Bendigo. Bend you over at Bendigo. Be fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And don't forget Bunjil Pal. Bunjil Place in Narrowan South is on sale. People are loving that. So, yeah, get your tickets. But they're everywhere. It's on uh, the Rewind uh, rewind80smixtape.com.au site for all ticket sales. Wonderful. Our live show with the Rewind 80s boys. How fucking Are you cool. just having dinner now, are you? Mick is plating up. He's got another culinary wow. desi- delight waiting for me. Best what cook ever. What are you ever. having? I just want to smell it. Some kind of meatball thing. Oh, it'll nice. Be kangaroo, it'll be kangaroo meatballs because I don't eat red meat. So it'll be like kangaroo meatballs. Is kangaroo not red meat? Well, it's I don't eat like farmed meat, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, can, kangaroo's oh. game, you know. It's okay. slightly different. Yeah. Wow. 
But, um, yeah, you know, they don't farm kangaroos because they jump over the fence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There'll be a lot do. of people <laughs> to hear that, that that's that's quite – they'll be surprised that you do eat kangaroo. Yeah, But there's yeah. so many of them, you know. Yeah, yeah. A lot, look, a lot of a lot of people that sort of have um, you know alternative diets like I do eat kangaroo because it's high in protein, low in fat, and they're not farmed. They yep. live their their life in their natural uh, habitat, and they're um, yeah, and they're not not farmed. So Far- farming is fucked. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They're living life as yeah, they yeah, should, yeah. you know. And then yeah, the farmer yeah. shoots them. So yeah, yeah. All right, mate, yeah, so don't right. get shot by a farmer. We love you yeah. guys all around the world. This is the 80s montage. I'm Sammy Hardon. Yeah, I'm Jay Jovi. If it's music, mateys. Or cool shit from the 80s. We're going to talk about it. Unreal. Woo!